All right, are we ready? We are. (laughs) (laughs) I love that more than anything in the whole world. (laughs) Hello, thank you for coming out tonight. (laughs) Who here is from Portland? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, welcome to the Mark and Todd cast. I am Todd and I'm joined by (laughs) Mark of all people. Yes, you uh, are. How's it going? I'm. It's going good. The sound of the mics are still throwing me off, so I'm gonna have to yeah. figure out. There's a little hollowness to it that that we'll have to investigate further. But we're, we're filling am, up the room with our voices. We are. I we should put a nice '80s echo on it, like all the <laughs> like all the songs that came out. But I am I am fully behind that new the new uh, soundboard that we got with all its uh, sliders and buttons and, and multicolored and lights and it's really slick. Yeah, it's got it's got all the stuff. Yeah, it's 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 very very cool. So oh, we didn't even uh, uh, with that new intro that we probably won't be doing again, but was <laughs> incredible. We didn't do a joke. Do you have a joke this time? Well, um, I I kind of do. Oh, okay. So um, the I. I <laughs> Don't remember what it was. Play something in there. <laughs> totally. Um, hold on. Hold on. Okay. Uh, what kind of show would this be for? Like entertainment tonight. <laughs> Do you remember I on LA? I so we had like we had PM Magazine. Is that kind of the okay? Same probably thing? Yeah. yeah. I in LA, and the only reason I think anyone outside of Los Angeles, it was like a little entertainment news program that was just centered around Los Angeles that they would play on the LA stations, uh, and they do a parody of it in The Simpsons. Whenever way what they, it's I on Springfield, but it's the same like little intro that I on LA has. Like that's a very inside joke for that to be on The Simpsons. Yeah, PM but. Magazine was late seventies, early eighties. Uh, but I remember it, it was local in Reno what, oh, and okay. then it was local in San Diego when I got there. So I think it was like a, a brand that they put into different markets okay. on NBC or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So there was this robber that oh, no. pulled a gun on the, on the bank clerk. And stole your, and stole your hand cart. And stole my hand cart <laughs> and my joke. Uh, <laughs> give me all the money. I needed to set myself up in a trade or profession. You know, initial investment is needed to cover the overhead until my cash flow is established. And the manager said to the clerk, you, you got to do it. Uh, I think he means business. <laughs> That's fun. That, <laughs> and those came pre-programmed like that. They uh, did. Those, those are those. the built-in sound effects. They're nice and uh, there's a softness to them that that I like. And maybe that's just the button, <laughs> the t- tiny room shot. Yeah. Ah. Uh, well, we were talking. Do we want to? We were discussing right before we went on went on the air and said, "Well, we might as well record this." And and so, why don't yeah, you tell us what we were talking about? Billionaires. Yeah, we were. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, specifically and. Uh, he testified in Congress this last week, and I saw uh, AOC, uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, kind of grilling him, and and he's he's just not human in right. so he's many ways. Spectrum-y. He's very spectrum and he's very yeah. He, he's always seems nervous, and he doesn't drink water right, <laughs> and he just never blinks. <laughs> never blinks. He yeah. is like if if there's any proof that the reptile people by, controlled by the Illuminati existed, it would be Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And 
And so he testified, and then there was a little article and Reddit about it, and then somebody was responding, and they were they were kind of going into why the majority of uh, of humans kind of disdain uh, billionaires in general and and him specifically. And then we got into more of a, a discussion you and I did about like the difference between Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Zuckerberg and Bill Gates, mm-hmm. for example. And I feel like Bill Gates somewhere in the early 90s, late 90s, some, like had an awakening and he's committed. And I'm sure there's a document online that we could find out, but he's committed the vast, vast, vast majority of his wealth to making the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And he has a team of, last I heard, it was 100 people that are investors uh, led by this one guy who turned 16 billion into 85 billion and is just just skyrocketing and it's it's unfathomable fathomable uh, how much it reminds me hold on. okay go ahead, go ahead. Uh, how much money that vulnerable, is vulnerable <laughs> vulnerable 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 <laughs> He's been on a roll though for like the last ten shows. It's been like clear out of the gate. He rolls right through it now. It's Nate, by the way, from Not Nerd Podcast. <laughs> There's um, and in the Mexican city of Guadalajara. <laughs> I need to organize these better. I'm yeah. just all over the place. We, we've got eight eight numbers, eight pads. Here we, we do. Can. I need to the Mexican city of Guadalajara. <laughs> right, and. That is the greatest soundbite to ever, ever exist is Lou Dobbs talking through his giant teeth trying to say The Mexican city of Guadalajara. Guadalajara. <laughs> I can't even It's the, yeah, the, the uh, at the end that sells uh, it the just slow trail. Guadalajara. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, billionaires. All that, all that bits, all that being said, like Mark Mark Zuckerberg has none of those characteristics. Right. Like he has not done anything other than uh continue to power forward that facebook should not be broken up it should remain this mega organization and there there's legitimate really bad things that facebook is doing now and and it's been shown to cause depression and anxiety and and you know they 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 engineer the algorithm to get the most reaction from people it's like the jerry springer of apps absolutely and so you think this is more how much of this is a facebook problem and how much of this is a humans tend to be garbage people problems i i think it's the latter And, and i think that the human that is garbage has Oh, the got <laughs> got the right tool. Like right. he made the right. But tool. I mean, also, I I was I was mean. Humans are garbage as far as like all of us users. I mean, all of us users are what Facebook is. Is on top of that, it sounds like they're exploiting that more than hundred percent. Like yeah. even a Reddit or a, all those right. different places, which uh, is the same. Like, right. It, 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 which is the irony because so, like, we're I trying read to about fix this article. human nature, right? And or and blame Facebook monetize human nature and, right. and exploit it. figured out how to exploit it, which is what marketing companies have done right. since the dawn of time. Right. And, and so he's just done it better. Yeah. And, and that sucks, but 
there's such an opportunity like he could all right board of directors i trust you move that company forward do make some good choices i've got my 30 billion or whatever how much he has personally and maybe he does something amazing like right. he starts up a ideal factory where he can just make interesting things right. and and fund an incredible yeah, I was asking you before, and I've never been system. able to figure out, like, I, I understand, yeah, yeah, or what it, what is his motivation? Right. Like, I understand Bill Gates's motivation, and I, re, and like, even Warren Buffett, who I, I think has plans, or I don't know, to give all of his money away yeah. before he dies. Yeah. Um, although it bugs me because he's like, you always hear like, he's still using the same coffee mug that he's had for 45 years. I'm like, you know what, Warren Buffett, if you're going to earn the money, why don't you spend it? Like, what are you doing to us? It was like, (laughs) do you remember when Jay Leno, uh, Jay Leno uh, retired and then unretired and kicked Conan O'Brien, which is a fascinating story. If if you don't, if people don't remember that story, but I won't get into that. But, um, Jay Leno's thing has been, has always been. He never spent a dime of his Tonight Show money because he's a right. hugely successful comedian on the road. Right. And it's like, that's awesome, except like, screw you, because why are you still working? Like, And that's kind of the boomer generation thing. It's like, they don't go away. Right. It's like, Jay Leno, you've made your all of your, you have everything. Like, go away, and now it's time for our turn. And that's kind of what it feels like for these billionaires. It's like, what? Oh, just step away from the right. the thing and let other people have some of the thing. So yes. anyway, yes. that's the kind of discussions we have off the air. <laughs> and then we get sad. Now, now we know why. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, but it, it's weird. Well, that goes on a it long goes time. On, yeah. It, uh, you can actually watch this icon and see how much time it has left. It's, oh, wow. There it is. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. I'll plow into JFK Airport Terminal Number One launches facial recognition boarding. So a biometric self-boarding gate has officially been launched at the at JFK. Lufthansa has deployed the paperless high-tech boarding process, which uses facial recognition technology to verify travel travelers with a photo capture. Um, so Air France, Japan Airlines, and Norwegian Airlines are expected to follow. So I am just unsure how I feel about any of that. I know there's no point in feeling anyway, because it's just going to happen, but it's just like before, before we, uh, we started recording, we were looking through your nest video because we had a, we had an incident (laughs) with, with a (laughs) quasi theft. So we were held, Mark offered to help his name, his elderly, uh, somewhat incapacitated neighbor move a huge wardrobe across the street right when I got here. So I helped him out and we, you had two hand carts that we were using and, and, um, we, and we were actively using one while the other one was staged back at the, the original, uh, location. And it was, it was in the vicinity of, but it wasn't at the table of free stuff. (laughs) But somebody took it that that was a free item as well. That and was free took stuff. The cart, yeah, and took the cart, the hand truck. So yeah, you are and down like, now. I'm a, down a, a nice an eighty-nine dollar oh, hand truck. You know like, that sucks. But we were looking through your Nest video, and I was like, we are just on Always camera on all camera. of the time. 
Yeah. And now I think they take, I'm pretty sure they take DNA samples when you're born now. They just have it on file. So like all of it, I I think so. I think that's something they started doing. The Illuminati's doing that? The Illuminati. Mark Zuckerberg's lizard people are doing that. (laughs) Did you see the the Zuckerberg side by side of him and his Madame Tussauds wax figure? (laughs) Yes. How the Madame Tussauds looks like a million times more lifelike. Yes. Incredible. Um, so do you know a little bit more about um, facial, recognition. facial recognition? No, about the, the Zuckerberg testimony this last week, because I only know that he talked about Libra a little bit, but I think Facebook also as well. But I didn't really follow any of that because I just didn't no. have the energy. Yeah, I didn't either. Okay. And so I watched AOC's grilling of him just because she's such a darling of all of the, the By the way, I think, I think this the sign of... Am I consuming too much news? Is when you start calling her AOC, right? Because I realize that like nobody in knows, normal life knows, knows what I'm name. talking about. I'm like, well, you uh, know, when AOC <laughs> did this, and they're like, what's wrong with you? Who are you? <laughs> uh, so I I have a um, an airport uh, story as well. Ooh, nice. SeaTac uh, uh, in our neighborhood, uh, the Seattle airport, has just announced a support of hidden disabilities. Have you heard of this? I have not. So they are the first airport to to um, have this program. And so they have sunflower lan- lanyards. And starting Monday, October 28th, so tomorrow, SeaTac will become the first airport in the United States to begin a pilot program offering sun- these uh, sunflower lanyards to passengers with hidden disabilities such as autism, PTSD, or hearing loss. Oh, wow. First pioneered at the Gatwick International Airport in London, the Sunflower Lanyard communicates that passengers wearing it may need extra help while traveling. Uh, program participation is voluntary. Passengers may request free Sunflower Lanyards at the Port of Seattle Customer Service Desk or speak to an airport pathfinder. Oh, wow. They also have a meditation and quiet room. So the passengers and airport employees looking for a quiet place away from the busy airport atmosphere now have a dedicated space the meditation and slash quiet room at SeaTac airport is located pre-security on the mezzanine level of the airport above checkpoint three that's really neat that's really cool and and uh just some really progressive steps and i hope that uh, pdx uh takes note and and uh, does something similar yeah that would be neat it's really neat that uh, pdx continues like i think 10 years in a row to get best airport in america it is really an amazing it is nice i remember so i grew up in ontario california which (laughs) now they have a a a very large and very nice airport because it's a huge hub down there but when i grew up down there it was like a two landing strip type thing in the middle of a grape field and so you would go out to your gate which was outside and then walk on tarmac and then up the stairs or whatever and because we had um, extended family in uh, Washington, we would sometimes fly into Seattle and we would like me and my brother would like tell tell stories of how you can you would would never touch the ground like you would get off the airplane and like all the way to the car and you would never step a foot outside. And like, it was all magical, like yeah. tubes in the future and all of that stuff. It was just so wonderful. Yeah. In kindergarten, we took a tour of LAX and oh, I'd, cool. been on, I'd been on flights already. So it wasn't uh, brand new to you me. You were jaded. But I, but I, yeah, I was like, <laughs> at jaded. the airport again. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, I've always loved 
flying. I've loved the airport. Yeah, I've never minded flying either. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got a lot of Portland news, and we'll start with some sad news that I thought already happened a long time ago. But Cameron's Books and Magazines, which is uh, a Portland yes. institution since 1938, is closing. Now, I thought they had closed years ago because there's like a big weird gate in front of it that looks impassable. Like at some point in the last 10 years, I think... I don't know if they some of their that's, buildings. That's was, only up when it's closed. When, when during <laughs> during the like off hours. I but I, I it's something anyway. <laughs> well, now it's I'm closing. Uh, so the owner of Cameron's Books and Magazines, the oldest bookstore in Portland, said he must close the iconic store by the end of November because his lease was not renewed. Which I, I know. Are they just going to tear it Old down Portland's and like build? Head. Yeah, a mega mega building. So the store, which started in 1938 in another downtown location, has been at 336 Southwest Third for more than 60 years. Uh, Jeff Fraze, the owner, said that the building was sold last year and that he hoped to renew his lease, which ended in September. Then two weeks ago, I got a registered letter from an attorney. It was out of the blue. I have until December one to vacate. So uh, he's has thousands and thousands of books and he's going to be selling his inventory at discount prices and then he will retire. Um, he's got a business partner um, named Crystal Zingsheim. <laughs> yes, that's, that's pretty great. Uh, who has been working with him for almost 20 years and she's trying to raise money to buy the books and periodicals and looking for a location to move the operation and build up the store's online presence, which she has done um, by selling their rare books, and that's what got them through the recession, is their yeah. online portal to to uh, sell that. So she says she wants to keep Cameron's alive. I want to keep the same name. It's not about me or Jeff. We are simply caretakers of a legacy. So wow, uh, another another thing gone. Gone. Old Portland is dead. I long, guess. Long live Portland. <laughs> Long with New Portland. All hail New Portland. <laughs> um, the Wapato jail owner says the building will dem- be demolished in the next few months. This is another story I kind of had wrong because I thought the whole jail was new, but it's been there for 15 years. Yeah. I thought they had just completed it like two summers ago or something like that. No, I think um, two summers ago, weren't they looking to... Something happened that kind of kicked yeah. it into the conversation. They again. they were looking at using it for uh, homeless, homeless Yeah, so yeah. this kind of uh, talks about that a little bit. Uh, so it will most likely be demolished to build a warehouse on the property. So Schnitzer, who is the owner, Schnitzer, I barely knew her. said he worked with nonprofits and other experts to create a plan to house and care for the homeless. But after 18 months, there was no agreement and he could no longer afford to uh, pay for it. Uh, quote, the business side of me says to get on with it. The heart of me says, you've got to be kidding. Um, I'm seeing 10 people in my parking lot and they could have beds and training here and clean bathrooms and showers. Um, he said he spoke to Portland mayor, Ted Wheeler, who probably says, what homeless problem? Uh, and the mayor asked him to outline the sources and uses of funds to turn the jail into a homeless facility. But Schnitzer said he told Wheeler that's not his job. He's just the real estate owner. <clears throat> so it couldn't all come together. And it looks like it is going to be uh, demolished in the next couple of months. So it was a $58 million facility built as a prison, but the doors never opened. Uh, it was built in 2004. So there's a... Um company called Quantum Stealth, 
that is making invisibility cloaks. Okay. And I'm going to keep saying I saw the headline for that, which means I wrote a headline for Digital Trends about their the, the, their daily show where they talk yeah. about all this stuff. So yeah. I, I often know these from like, oh, I wrote the headline for that. <laughs> so um, that and Google's quantum computer, which I don't know anything about either. Uh, we should... We should re-up our quantum, quantum computer. Computing. We can have that guy back. Yeah, yeah. We can have him teleport back in here. Didn't we talk we to a, a professor? No. That the was, guy who wrote Ethan, Ethan something. Ethan, uh, that was uh, at, uh, astrophysics. Oh, yeah. Oh, whatever. It's yeah. all the same. Um, quantum physics, <clears throat> so astrophysics. I'm, I'm going to show you this video. Okay. Quantum stealth, light bending material, version two, color testing. This looks like a video from my YouTube channel. So instead of like all an electronic cloak, uh, what they've done is they've made a material wow. that, you know, those flats, flat pieces of plastic that people put in the rear window. They're like of the magnifying glass thing. And they're like a magnifying glass. This material looks kind of like that. Right. And so it effectively bends the light behind so it's taking the edge light if you will okay and putting it in the middle wow so yeah it just looks like there's some clear clear plexiglass right. on the table and they're putting objects behind it but when they go back in front of that little piece of plastic it looks like it's not there but yeah it just looks like a really it's, dirty window right so a, what they're able to do now is so those are make, curved then curved oh, they're wow, able to okay. make shields out of this material that blurs <clears throat> blurs at worst you know and and really obfuscates ob obfuscates the um the human behind it so that they don't have a clear target so in a riot situation right. or or they can't infantry tell. you can't take a headshot uh because the head has been blurred out right. and is, you know, you can try and get them. Right. Although but, really you can just aim for the middle of the shield you, they're holding. You could do that, but, um, <laughs> I don't want to give yeah. anyway, any war secrets or anything <laughs> like that, but look for the person with the shield. Right. Um, so, <laughs> Oh, there's like a little robot cart, a little robot cart. So they're, they're just, this is a demonstration video showing what's behind. Oh, there's a, <laughs> there's, there's a giant a, tank underneath. <laughs> <laughs> a and little so robot tank. if you were looking at that from the from sky above right yeah, and taking a drone shot of that right you wouldn't have the detail of what is exactly behind there so right. it gives you a little wow yeah and they're going to put these on boston dynamic robots 100%. as they 100%. hunt us down yes and japan uh just released like its first mecha robot or whatever that looks like a giant version of the the uh, Sigourney Weaver at the end of Aliens loader thing. What is that thing? I don't know. No. Lasers. Lasers. Well, a stalking suspect allegedly studied Pop Idol's pupil images online to find oh, her location. I saw that. So a man was arrested. This is in Tokyo. A man was arrested on suspicion of stalking a female Pop Idol by... I, just, I really need to have to stop redundant headlines because I just read the same thing. Uh, but in the photos she shared on social media and using Google Street View to find where she lived. So Japanese media reports uh, said the woman whose identity was not disclosed is a, quote, pop idol. Um, and that this man was an avid fan. Um, 
So he reportedly used high-resolution images of the woman's pupils to figure out which train station the woman frequented. He then reportedly studied other images she shared, such as her apartment, to figure out where she lived. Uh, and then she he jumped her from behind. So, I mean... Ugh. This is, it, it, and they say um, they warned readers that the casual selfies could show surrounding buildings, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it suggested people shouldn't make the V sign, like that peace sign, with their fingers, uh, which Japanese people often do in photos, because fingerprints could be stolen through oh a picture. W- Enhance. <laughs> but I guess. As you get more and more resolution, higher and higher resolution. Oh, my word. I couldn't figure out the other day how ca- cameras autofocus. Like, how does it know what it's looking at? That's a, that's a great question. <laughs> I mean, uh, sure, I, I it, mean, it's been doing it forever too, so it's not like it's yeah. a new technology, right? Um, uh, and it has to do with yeah, focusing the lights somehow, but yeah, it's, it just I, I and then I wondered if I if I <laughs> printed out blurry words and then tried to take a picture with it, if it would keep trying to, Focus. or if it would just recognize it in the perfect it's clarity the of being blue or right. blurry yeah it's the sharpest that it's gonna get <laughs> take a picture of a blurry picture and see if it autofocuses. <laughs> that's true enhance <laughs> i mean i'm sure they could teach teach them how to do that anyway do you remember there was a uh, pedophile that was caught <laughs> he um <laughs> he, had, he had taken his photo and brought it into photoshop and did the swirl uh, right uh, effect on it and so it's just a swirled fleshiness Face. right right well you can go into photoshop and swirl uh, the other <laughs> way right and so it wasn't blurred or gaussian blurred or anything. it was it just was, it was swirled. swirled and so you could easily undo that that's and they weird had his to think face about shot and they caught oh him oh my gosh that's <laughs> <He's> like <laughs> that really does <laughs> Uh, well, the birds of prey came out in Portland to uh, fight the p- crow problem. So thousands of crows make it to, uh, to Rose City's core every year, this article starts out. I remember last year I was taking a picture of uh, Brian, a unipiper picture on the Burnside Bridge, which I was thinking. So this is my 20th year in Portland this month. Yep. I literally cannot remember a time in the 20 years that the Burnside Bridge has been open. <laughs> and I don't really say, I was listening to a Rick Emerson show from 2006 today and they were complaining <laughs> that, well, the Burnside, Burnside Bridge, Bridge will be closed. closed. It literally has, it is not the Golden Gate Bridge. It is a like, a, what, an 800 foot span or something like that. It is not, like if it's causing 20 years of problem, you know what, build a new bridge. <laughs> I don't understand. And there's so much infrastructure that's tied to the Burnside Bridge. Like it crosses I-5, the <laughs> the walkway underneath uh, that's on the east side Esplanade. Yeah. It crosses the train tracks. It crosses the Max over on the west side. Uh, and and bus lines go across it. You know, it's been yeah. identified as like, the main the, the, the link that will break in an earthquake that will just oh that's the thing that will devastate yeah, everything because de- that carries all, all the, like water the gas tra- and water right all across. the water traffic uh you know so if let's say the burnside bridge did you see that video falls, that yes. portland put out yes, a couple yes, it's oh amazing. it's so terrifying <sighs> but yeah I, for 20 years that bridge has been under control and i don't even know what they're doing like what have they done <laughs> 
it's not even painted nice. They put some nice colored lights underneath that, it's that, better, sh- that better shine than up the at night. Morrison Bridge when they when they did the, the ten million dollar renovation of the surface I and they did that. it wrong. Oh, that's right. <laughs> They're like, "Oops, sorry about that. Our bad. Lol." We'll redo this now. Command Z. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, I was on the uh, Burnside Bridge with, uh, with uh, Brian taking a Unipiper picture last fall. And there were there were just thousands and thousands and thousands of crows that yeah. you would see fly into yeah, they, the city. They and, migrate at, at sunrise and sunset. Yeah, so uh, the city has tried various means of scaring off the crows. Most notably, there have been loud noises, uh, repeated percussive bangs. That's what they do in, in orchards in, in Sunnyside. They'll yep. just have the big... Either that or smudge pots. Well, no, smudge pots keep them warm, and that's just a barrel of oil that you light on fire to keep the to keep the uh, orchard warm. <laughs> but they do have the cannons, which just do fire off a big noise. But of course, in in downtown Portland, it led people to think that a shootout was happening nearby. <laughs> so in 2017, they tried something new: falconry, and it worked. The flying predators weren't bothered by downtown's lights or noise. Uh, as was a concern, quote, and we discovered that the crows responded consistently and reliably to the uh, presence of our hawks, said falconer Court Clayton, (laughs) who is the greatest person who ever lived. Uh, They retreat, the crows retreat. It's really that simple. So the result has been a lot fewer crows and a lot less crow mess. Uh, I appreciated that because it got the distinction between fewer and less correctly. There are fewer crows and a less mess. Because fewer you use when you have an exact number, less is when you have an, kind of an unquantifiable amount. <laughs> so take that home and, and use it to annoy your friends. Um, so anyway, falconry worked, and there are less, no, fewer. Fewer. Fewer crows. <laughs> uh, moving on to Beaverton, where uh, this man truly is, I mean, no offense to falconer Court Clayton, but this man really is local hero. So uh, after years of late night research, frustration, ridicule, and even lawsuits, Matt's Jarlstrom of Beaverton can finally say, I told you so. Um, the Institute of Transportation Engineers, which makes the traffic control policies for the U.S. and other countries, notified Yalstrom, who has two umlauts in his name, which is pretty badass. Uh, they've notified him that he is right. Drivers often get caught in a no man's land when trying to make a turn on a yellow light. Um, so basically, this guy... Um, Uh, embarked on this mission in 2013 after his wife got a ticket for running a red light. For six years, he has been trying to prove that intersections with red light cameras are rigged against the laws of nature and human drivers. And so he, um, there's this existing kinematic equation. This is his quote. Existing... No, this is this is one of the members of the Institute for Transportation Engineers. The existing kinematic equation does not fully cover shovel dilemma zone situations for left turn and right turn movements. So basically, he figured out that they're um, the yellow lights were not giving enough time for people that are in this like, uh oh, do I slow down or do I speed up zone of things? And so he's getting the entire system uh, changed. Uh, because uh, it said first he brought it, he took his research to the city of Beaverton and then he took it to the uh, uh, ODOT and they all just like shoo-shooed him away. Uh, But then he went up higher and higher and got to the engineers and then finally the international transportation, whatever that that consortium is. Um, 
And then he, as he was trying to do this, the Oregon Board of Examiners for Engineering accused him of practicing engineering they, without a license and for him. trying to share his research. They find him, and it took years uh, and this process, and it went up to like not. Uh, it was like a district court right. to rule that free speech allows him to be an engineer without <laughs> without a, a license without a license a rogue <laughs> engineer he's the indiana jones of engineers <laughs> so it says Jarlstrom will now continue his work on a research paper to further explain his findings so <clears throat> local local nerd hero um Love whatever his first name Jarlstrom was mats Jarlstrom. So uh, in uh, this isn't really breaking news, but I found about it today. So but the uh, Oregon Rogue River Blue Cheese was named the best cheese in the world. What? So made in Central Point, Oregon is declared the best cheese in the world at the 2019 World Cheese Awards. Uh, that event took place Friday in Bergamo, Italy, where cheeses from around the globe were judged over a single day by technical experts, uh, experts, retailers, buyers, and food writers. They looked for color, consistency, texture, and ultimately taste to determine the winner. Uh, the Oregon Blue Cheese came out on top, making Rogue Creamer the first American American cheese maker to win the competition. Uh, I bet the Italians were pissed. Yes, and this they article wasn't complete, but um, they love their Parmesan. One and of the kids I uh, I used to watch before he grew up and then just no longer needs a nanny uh, texted me the art an article about this cheese maker. So that goes a little more in depth. So let me <laughs> let me pull up Imager, <laughs> which is where it ended up for some reason. Uh, so there were forty two countries which were judged. Um, France's best performing cheese, which an, uh, which was uh, something called an, oh boy, E-P-O-I-S-S-E-S, but it's French, so like none of those are pronounced. Right. So it is a, oh. so, it is so ding. <laughs> That's the cheese. The French cheese of... Which is a soft cow's milk cheese from Burgundy, uh, ranked a humiliatingly low eighth place, tying with a Swiss Gruyere. Uh, to add insult to injury, uh, a British cheddar came in second. Huh. So anyway, congratulations to blue cheese maker Rogue Creamery from Central Point. So I wonder if they have that at like Fred Meyer. Uh, probably. For a thousand dollars. Exactly. Um. Let's see. There's a lot of Oregon stuff. I thought I had maybe one more. I think Craig Ospo works with Rogue. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I think that was all of the Oregon stuff. Do you have any more news stories? Nope. Okay. I've got a couple more. One of them I'm going to kind of have to edit as we go along. I kept it long because I realized it was from uh, a site called Off Grid Survival. So it's a little wacky. But the headline is why I pulled it. It's California de uh, officials declare ham radio no longer a benefit and demands that ham radio repeater infrastructure to be removed. And so the first line of this, the People's Republic of California is at it again. <laughs> So California is severing ties to ham radio repeater owners throughout the state, uh, jeopardizing the millions of Californians who depend on these repeaters. Uh, so last month, repeater operators were sent emails from the state that they would no longer allow them to operate on public land without paying rental fees. So they can still be there, but now they have to pay for it. They claimed, quote, that consistently changing technological advances has made ham radio obsolete during an emergency. 
So, um, so I'm glad you asked, Mark. So what is a ham radio repeater? What's a ham radio repeater? Well, Mark, it's an amateur radio repeater system. It is a two-way radio system that takes weaker or low-level amateur radio signals and retransmits them at a higher level or higher power so that the radio signal can cover longer distances without degradation. It's a vital part of the local emergency communication system, and ham radio operators have been using them for decades to provide support during disasters. Um, there is, I was real worried, if you go out on Highway 99, um, kind of by Bull Mountain, there was an old, no, well, first there was one in Tigard, uh, when you go through 99, kind of by the Fred Meyer, there's a ham radio outlet next to what used to be the Arby's. I don't know if it's still an Arby's. And then it left, and I was like, oh, no, where'd the ham radio operator go? But they just moved to a bigger place down 99, and I'm like, yay, <laughs> nerds. So I'm happy that um, ham radio, they are, I still think they will save the day, these little backwoods repeaters and, when and everything else, Sason systems. When everything and, else fails. Then who will be laughing? And this says, why would they remove something that is the last line of fence dur defense during a disaster? So um, then it goes into a little more paranoid thing about a some sort of conspiracy to kill ham radio. Um, but interesting nonetheless that, that um, one of my favorite Simpsons jokes is it was just kind of an aside about uh, ham radio and they do a cutaway to this guy, this Russian looking guy like sitting in a shack and it's all snowy and he's he has got a ham radio on the table and just says like, you know, aha halash and translated just says, I have a ham radio. And he's just like trying to talk to other ham radios. But they do, and even when, um, I remember Rick Emerson used to talk about how he would get requests or... There are radio people like this who try to find the farthest signal they can. So Rick would get yep. like contacted from Sweden and like because he was on AM radio, which just right. travels forever. forever. And so he would always either get requests for air checks or whatever to add to the collection of these people that were able to pick up the, his frequency. And <laughs> it's so neat. Yeah, the, those uh, really low frequencies will stay under the clouds and bounce off the surface of the earth because it follows the, the earth's curve yeah. as opposed to fm which is direct right. line of sight i believe yeah they they just don't that higher frequency doesn't bounce uh as as easily as those right. low, low Sound, frequencies man, if i had a dollar for every minute i spent thinking about sound i would be warren buffett because it just I saw another one of those things where they they put rice or whatever on top of a speaker and then they'll play it and you'll see all of the yeah. structure of the sound and I I mean headphones still I just don't <laughs> get it I don't get how there can just only be one thing making all anyway, all this I won't noise. get into it yes. listen to every episode every other episode of the Mark and Todd cast for my questions about how sound works well a Dutch family. I know Dutch families. I am a Dutch family. Was found in a cellar, quote, waiting for the end of time. So this is for the uh, from the hog or den hoch, as they would say. Dutch police found a father and six adult children hidden in a basement of a remote farmhouse where they uh, have reportedly spent years waiting for the end of time. They discovered the man believed to be the father of the family and his children ages uh, between 18 and 25. Uh, living near the ver near the verge of a ruiner world, <laughs> well, that's terrible. Uh, in the northern province of Drenthe, I had a pastor named Drenthe. <laughs> maybe he was from. He Drenthe. was from Drenthe. Well, I was probably from Workhoven, so maybe the Drenths and the Workhovens can get together and throw a party for us. 
Uh, local media said the family were found after one of the sons went to a nearby pub in a confused state, drank five beers, and then asked for help, saying he had not been outside for nine years. Uh, police arrested the 58-year-old man for failing to cooperate with an investigation, but he was not the father. Uh, quote, I've never come across anything like this before, said local mayor Roger de Groot. Uh, police investigating after... Uh, investigated after receiving a tip-off from somebody who was concerned about the people's living condition. Uh, They lived an isolated lifestyle um, of homesteading for the past nine years, and several of the children had not been taken up in the... What? Had not been taken up in the birthing register. Oh, oh. So had not been registered at their birth, I guess. I thought it was like a room in their house (laughs) that they birthed people. (laughs) <laughs> so many questions were left unanswered. Um, the family lived on an isolated farm, blah, blah, blah. Um, they had living in the basement for years, waiting for the end of the time. The disheveled man who had been found outside said he had never been to school and seemed very confused, spoke in a childish way, blah, blah, blah. No context. So anyway, all scenarios are being investigated. At this point, we cannot give further information, said the police on Twitter. Well, there's a documentary uh, about that uh, called Blast from the Past, uh, starring Brendan Fraser. Uh, or the, in the, the unstoppable Kimmy Schmidt. Did you ever watch that show? Yeah, I did. That was a really great show. Yeah. Uh, I did finish watching that. Uh, one more story here. The U.S. military will no longer use floppy disks to coordinate nuclear launches. So as we learned in 2014, the U.S. military had been using 8-inch floppies and an antiquated 70s computer. Oh, hi, Nick. You want to join us? No? All right. Goodbye, Nick. Nick was not having any Nick of my was- shenanigans just now. <laughs> Oh, shoot. Speaking of shenanigans, <laughs> before I get into the story, so you've got all this rubber oh, chicken stuff I have shenanigans laying around. For you. I know. These are, to- these are presents for you. <gasps> for me? Yep. So there's a rubber chicken air freshener. What does it smell like? <laughs> it smells like rubber chicken. smell like chicken? I bet it smells Should like I a rubber chicken, it's, maybe. <laughs> it smells like polyvinyl. <laughs> Let me take this out of the package. I wonder how this is. I You know, I do have a... a um, what in in the cologne world they call it a signature scent is the one that you stick with so much. The signature scent of my car is a mix of vanilla rama and new car trees. Vanilla rama. Vanilla rama, which is the vanilla one. Okay, so I'm opening this chicken. Juicy fruit. Is that what that smells like? It's very. It's very oh, powerful. It is. It smells like juicy fruit, kind of like a lemon. Not really a lemon, but it's a very familiar smell. It is a very familiar smell. And then the other thing you're holding is it's a, a rosary, it's a rubber a, chicken rosary. Very nice on a on a on a um, on a Mardi Gras gold chain. But I'd seen you. Uh, what's yeah? You what does it say on the back of what smell is that? It's it it juicy fruit is isn't wrong. It's <laughs> bubble gum. Oh it's, okay. Yeah okay. A it's type bubble of bubble gum, gum flavor. maybe. Yeah, I can see that bubblegum flavor rubber chicken. So that I, when I saw all this sitting on the counter, I went and got my. <laughs> I finally got a honking chicken, which much like the the uh, goats that scream like humans, <laughs> is something that makes me laugh every time. In the expression, they're amazing. The expression on his face is the, ridiculous. The only time it's bothered me is when Colin gets a hold of it because he's because <laughs> he thinks it's as hilarious as I do. <laughs> 
And it's wonderful because I'll throw the, I've just had it in my backseat. So every once in a while, I'll throw my bag back there and I'll land on it and it'll make a really amusing honking noise. That's rad. So anyway, well, now I'm adding to my, my rubber chicken collection, which is very exciting. We uh, attended the Rubber Chicken Museum at um, Archie McPhee's in, Port, in, in Seattle. Oh, and, and wow. So, uh, so they've got a whole wall. There's a the original rubber chickens. The original rubber chickens. There's some old ones. There's there's one that like was in the uh, production studio of MSNBC for years, and it was up on the wall in the MSNBC. Is that it just an old vaudeville just... gag? Is that where that originated? Like, what? Where the origin? I guess <laughs> we should do an. Episode. I guess we should go to the museum and find out. <laughs> The the origin <laughs> the, story. the origin story of rubber chickens. Well, thank you for all that. That's pretty. That's pretty great. <laughs> the rubber chicken museum. Anyway, blah blah blah. The U.S. military no longer use those floppy disks. By the way, the budget of the United States military in 2019 was 617 billion dollars. So we hate them too. Uh, so um, uh, there's a lot of grief given or or thrown towards the. Um, nuclear program, uh, you know, the Air Force and, and uh, mostly the Air Force, the military, the United States military nuclear arsenal is incredibly low tech and mm. kind of backwards. And I kind of appreciate that because. Well, it certainly can't be hacked. It can't be hacked <laughs> because there's no networking. Right. Available. So I think the floppy disks are like. We took the software from that room over there, and we're, right. we're taking it on the sneaker net to right. uh, the the other other room and plugging it in, and and, uh, and that it, should I mean, be done it, with our voting machines and everything else that is being hacked and destroyed. It was our making democracy. me furious always. The, the the voting machines, voting machine. I mean, vote vote by mail should be what we're doing. So I won't get into that because I know I've already complained about that on the show before yes. too, but. Uh, don't look at China where Ivanka Trump is for some reason pat- pat- patenting, uh, patenting vulnerable <laughs> uh, voting machines. Oh, oh. Anyway, oh, I, I need to put them next to each other. Vulnerable. <laughs> All right. Well, did you have any other newsy things? Nope. I had a very short thing today okay. and it was um, from actually uh, my, my buddy Jeremy who sent me the same... Um, the same thing about Oregon cheese winning on Imager. Uh, and that was about, do you know the Kilroy was here graffiti, yes. which is the, you see, it's like a person with a long nose poking over a wall and you see his fingers on both sides. In World War two. So yes. So he sent me the history of that, yeah. which is kind of interesting. So we'll go through a little history of the Kilroy is here. I little thing. Love it. <laughs> Uh, so in 1942, the American Transit Association, through its radio program, uh, sponsored a contest to find the real Kilroy. So everybody had known about this in, by 1942, and everyone's like, who is this guy? So this guy named James Kilroy Jr. of Halifax, Massachusetts, uh, stepped forward and kind of told the story of how he started this. So he was a 46-year-old shipyard worker during World War II, uh, and his job was to go around and check the number of ribbits, uh, ribbits, <laughs> the number of rivets... Uh, completed so uh, back then the riveters were on uh, they were paid by each rivet and he would go and check the count of the block rivets making sure I'm, I'm gonna have trouble saying rivets I know that um, so he would write down the numbers but when he would go off duty the riveters would come back and erase his mark so that they would be counted again and they would be getting 
twice the money. And so um, uh, Kilroy's boss called him into the office and and said, well, what's going on? And uh, so he asked him to investigate. And they quickly figured it out. So Kilroy started uh, marking uh, not only just a mark next to each one, but added extra emphasis by saying Kilroy, Kilroy was here, written in larger script, bold lever, letter, letter, vulnerable, vulnerable, vulnerable. <sighs> what does that button do? Oh, nice. Those <laughs> crickets are weird, like digital crickets. There we go. Ooh, that's mm. nice. Those sound nice. I like those. Good ones. Anyway, um, so he would add, uh, eventually added a sketch with the unique figure with a long nose hanging over a fence. So once he did that, they couldn't stop. Uh, they couldn't erase his marks. Um, so as a result, uh, Kilroy's signature inspection trademark was seen by thousands of soldiers and sailors boarding troops, uh, troop ships because they would see right on the side there where he marked those. So uh, Kilroy's message rang a bell of solidarity, solidarity and defiance among the servicemen because they picked up the name and drawing. They carried it everywhere they went uh, that the war took with uh, them. So Kilroy was seen everywhere around the European and Pacific battle theaters. Um, so all of the troops would then, as a joke or a morale booster, or uh, they would graffiti them wherever they had landed uh, to claim that he was there. Kilroy was here first. So kind of as the... Um, so as the war raged on, Kilroy became a U.S. super GI, having already been there uh, wherever most... Oh, that sentence doesn't make sense. Um, but it was becoming a challenge to post the logo kind of like graffiti, like in the most unlikely places or um, trying to see where you can get it. And it showed up. It is said that Kilroy is atop Mount Everest, the Statue of Liberty, the Arc de Triomphe, and was scrawled in lunar dust on the surface of the moon. <laughs> so uh, as the war went on, the the legend started to grow, and they would see it everywhere. They were seeing it in, in Japan. On one occasion, they even re uh, reported a uh, scene <laughs> vulnerable uh, enemy troops uh, painting over the Kilroy logo. Uh, so in 1945, an outhouse was built exclusively to be used by uh, Churchill, Stalin, and... Um, Truman, I think Truman is wrong actually at the end, somebody else was president, but, um, uh, at the post at the Potsdam conference during a break, its first user Stalin returned, uh, returned and asked his aide in Russian, who is Kilroy? Uh, so I don't know how much of an apocryphal story that is, but that that's pretty great. So to prove his authenticity in 1946, uh, James Kilroy brought along officials from the shipyard uh, and told the whole story. He run he won a car uh, by because that was the prize for whoever claimed to be uh, to prove to be uh, Kilroy. So he gave the car to his nine grandchildren and set up as a playhouse in his front yard. <laughs> so uh, Kilroy lived on in popular culture and featured in video games, books, and films. Um, it's seen, let's see, in all these different movies. All these an ode to a generation of volunteer um, people who went over to fight the war. Um, but it just became the icon of, of being, and it's in fact, it is, uh, one of the ultimate places it is included in the uh, world war two memorial in Washington, DC. So on one of the rocks is oh, wow. a carving of him peeking up. It looks like it's by a drain of some kind of off in the corner somewhere is a Kilroy was here. Little guy peeking up and over the edge. <laughs> so Anyway, I just thought that was fascinating how those things, especially back then, it's not like, I mean, now you, like, that's a meme. That's a meme. meme right. That yeah, went through World War II exactly. into all these different countries and it spreads like that, that idea. And it's neat to see how, 
how things do. I mean, it's like mapping a, a illness or something like that. How you see the spread of it and and the the literal the virality, conta- yeah, the contagion yeah. spreading out. Wow. So anyway, now you know all about Kilroy. Kilroy, I love that. Kilroy was here. Um, <sighs> I was meant to. What? I feel like I I haven't seen you at all. So you went to. A we to costume a, party. Yeah. So normally we have a Halloween party, and uh, with all the things going on and and our lack of energy, we we postponed it for a year. Yeah. Uh, so we can make next year just awesome. And uh, we went up to Bremerton to a Navy buddy of mine and his wife went to their party and um, on Shauna's. Different. We talked about on We did. Shauna was a girl that I dated in the Navy, and uh, she and Jason. Listen back to I think it was our Alaska, Alaska (laughs) wrap up. (laughs) Because there's a place called On Alaska, and so that always reminds me of On Shauna. On Shauna. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so Tom and Nancy went to went to their party, and one of my favorite movies of all time is Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. And uh, I dressed as uh, Baby Jane Hudson, and and your costume was amazing. I I had only seen the wig; I had not <laughs> seen you all put together. So yeah, I I hadn't rehearsed the putting together, so I I definitely just <laughs> took a photo of her and did the makeup and uh, and if you're not familiar with that movie, first of all. It's, Shame on you. <laughs> Press stop right now and go watch it. I'll, I'll we wait did a whole episode about it, like four or five episodes yeah. dedicated to Baby Jane. Uh, and it's an incredible movie. Uh, but uh, Betty Davis and and Joan Crawford are, are just dazzling stars uh, in that movie. And Betty Davis takes this approach to this character that other people are now comparing to like the Joker kind of right. thing where or like Charlize Theron and monster right. where you just like uglify yourself to an extent that you're just like, but she was such a caricature of yeah. a monster. Like yeah. it was, it, it wasn't subtle. It was, it was, just a, it's a balls out performance. Right. Which and is great. yeah, it's very like, if you loved misery, you will love there you go. baby Jane. Uh, and so, uh, Betty Davis, plays baby Jane Hudson and all this time we could have been friends and and she was incredible and there's so many iconic lines just like that one yeah. and and well you're in the chair you, you are Blanche but you are Blanche you are in the chair and uh and so I had a tray that had the bird and oh, the right. whole thing and, I, and, and it's so great. and it was great where there were Plenty of people had no idea who I was because they weren't familiar with the movie. And in the movie, Baby Jane uh, is at the uh, bank making a transaction and the guy behind doesn't recognize her as Baby Jane. And so she tries to get, well, I'm sure you know who I am. I was, I'm very famous. I was, you know, Baby Jane. And so that's how I was responding to people <laughs> who didn't know who I was. And they thought that that's, I, it, it was, that's pretty they, great. Thought, they thought I was a little weird, yeah. you know, and it's just like, no, I, I just, 
I don't know who I don't you know. are. Just, uh, stop touching me. Right. Which just made it <laughs> Sir, more. I'm going un- to call the police. <laughs> right. Just made, made the exchange more uncomfortable, right. which was perfect because right. that's exactly what Baby Jane does is just the entire movie just makes you feel uncomfortable about her entire entire thing so it was a it was stellar and i definitely had too much tequila and (laughs) regretted that later but i was in uh, rare form as uh, baby jane (laughs) baby jane hudson baby jane well let's go out with uh baby jane uh oh i but before uh fun employment radio their 10th anniversary is coming up on november 15 which is in like two Three weeks, uh, Portland at the movies. You, Mark, and me, and Brian, the Unipiper, are all going to be doing a live version of our Portland at the movies show. So come out and check that. It's not just us. It's Geek in the City will be there. Uh, Fun Employment Radio will be there. Uh, Greg's 80s butt rock band Courage will be playing oh, nice. there. I believe Keelan uh, King will be performing there. Or the Praetorians, actually, his his group. Um, the, I, I was in the video where they had to like wrap my head in... in in scarves to make the hat fit the helmet oh, fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um so they'll be performing there's a very very special performance that they haven't announced and i'm pretty sure i have figured it out but there might be a re a radio reunion of oh. sorts um uh happening there and it's all for 10 bucks so it's like this whole night that's amazing their be parties there. are so fun it's at the bossa nova ballroom i believe uh, so go to funemploymentradio.com and get tickets for that uh we will all be there and it's going to be super fun so please please check it out um and after you after you go purchase tickets for that go right under over to sonicsketches.com uh and get yourself a beautiful piece of art made from the waveform of your favorite song or favorite clip or favorite uh, memory that you want to keep. There are these really cool uh, panels that you uh, can put up on your wall. They're really neat looking. Uh, have you ever, you, well, yeah, you were yep. in Fun Employment, so yep. you've seen theirs. Fun Employment has um, them on their walls. Yeah, which they're really neat. You can get a set of three or a longer one that's made out of brushed aluminum. That is super cool. So go to sonicsketches.com and check them out. Use the promo code Mark Todd for free shipping in the U.S. Ah. <sighs> That was nice to be back. Yay. So let's have Betty Davis take us out with a haunting song. I was telling you before this, we were listening to it. And if this was in a haunted house playing like from a different room and you just kind of heard the echoing, it's just so. Or what if you woke up in the middle of the night and you just started uh, hearing this in another room? It would be so scary. Terrifying. So scary. Terrifying. So Um, yeah. So the, uh, if you're not familiar with the movie, Baby Jane, uh, she was a child star and uh, she was uh, particularly famous for this song. It's called a, a Written a Letter for Daddy. And as an old lady, she is trying to relive and rekindle that energy that she had as a child. And it's just disgusting and weird and uncomfortable it would be like if a 68 year old macaulay calkin was like legitimate like not ironically trying to do his home alone thing again right right so um oh i didn't even talk about the retro gaming convention do you know there was a guy talking to brian for a while and he was he had a vendor badge on or whatever and he was talking that kind of over he's from chicago blah 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 and he walked away and I was like, oh, Brian, who is that? And he's like, oh, that's the guy who designed the original Mortal Kombat logo. logo. And I was like, good grief. <laughs> that and this guy named the Angry Video Game Nerd was there who's a huge YouTube yep. person. And another big line for, 
for a YouTuber. Signatures. I didn't see him. I saw two of his sidekicks I didn't care about. Um, but there's another guy called the 8-Bit Guy who has a YouTube channel. And it popped up in my suggestions or whatever. And he was a huge deal. And he was like, live from the Portland Expo or whatever. So he was there and he had a panel that was full, it looked like. And he had, of course, a little clip. And where else but Portland would you expect to see a man on a unicycle playing the bagpipe? And then like showed a little clip of Brian. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> hey, I know him. I know him. So yeah, that was super cool. But um, anyway, here is Betty Davis singing, I've written a letter to daddy. To daddy. Uh, the way she says daddy. daddy. His address is heaven above. I've written, dear daddy, we miss you. Singing to herself in a mirror. Uh oh, I have 1% on my computer left. See how long it gets me. Instead of a stamp, I put kisses. 